Welcome to Journey South Bay. Thank you for inviting us in to listen to God's Word. Take a moment to get comfortable, sit back, and relax as we listen to today's message. Good morning, Journey South Bay. Uh, This morning's scripture reading comes from Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 5, verses 5 through 21, 15 through 21. If you're able, please rise for the reading of the word. Be very careful, then, how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Speak to one another with psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs. Sing and make music in your heart to the Lord always giving thanks to God the Father for everything in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. This ends the reading. You may be seated. We've been in a study through the book of the last half of the book of Ephesians, uh, just continually looking at the idea of what it means to be involved in the church. What does life in the church look like? What does it mean to be involved in a community? And, uh, you know, one of the questions that uh, I think we've addressed a little bit, but just continually comes up in our culture today is why do we have to be involved in the church? Like, isn't it sufficient for me um, to just uh, listen to my iPod while I'm running and listening to music, uh, walking by the beach, or listening to sermons in my car, or just talking with somebody in my neighborhood, or, or we sit on my back porch? Isn't that sufficient? The church. And um, what this text sort of draws out and gives us is sort of that would be no. It is, is you, you can't call that uh, a sufficient spiritual life. It, you have to be involved in the church. And the reason you have to be involved here, like with these people in this room, in this activity, is in a simple phrase from this text is because here is the presence of the Spirit. That in here you have a unique, powerful presence of God's Spirit that you will not get anywhere else. Um, in Second Corinthians, or excuse me, Second Chronicles seven, uh, there, there's a place where uh, Solomon is dedicating the temple, and it says that uh, God, when they go into the new land, he wants to, they build a temple for God to dwell. And even though God's presence is with Israel, uh, his he's omnipresent. He's a God who's a part of them. Solomon prays, and it says, fire comes down, and the glory of the Lord fills the temple. Now, if you read the Old Testament, the Old Testament is written in Hebrew, but uh, in the first century, to make it uh, readable for a Greco-Roman audience, they translated it to Greek, and that's called the Septuagint. And the Septuagint translation says, the glory of the Lord pleresoed the temple. Now, what's fascinating about that is when Paul here talks about the presence of the Spirit in the church, and he says, be filled with the Spirit. He says, be pleresso with the Spirit. He's drawing on the same idea of, of that fire that came down in Solomon's temple. He says, now should live actively in you and amongst your body of people. And you can't get that in your car. You can't get that on the beach. You can only get that in this kind of community. 
So, so let, let's do a couple things with that this morning. Be filled with the Spirit. One, let's define that. Two, let's understand the markers of what that looks like. And three, this morning, let's actually go get that together. First, uh, d- let's define it. Now, what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? Well, we really get this by looking at in the middle of the text in verse 18 when Paul says this, uh, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Now, right away, when people hear a verse like that, uh, especially if you're not uh, typically involved with a church or you're not really involved uh, with anything spiritual, what that sounds like is a hard chasm between the classic secular life on Saturday night and the spiritual life on Sunday morning, that there are people here that we know that uh, they spend their Saturday nights uh, in heavy drinking and having fun, but if you want to be involved in something spiritual like a church, you can't ever do that. You've got to get up on Sunday morning and have nothing to do with that. But what that sounds like is that uh, actually drinking and the thing filled with the Holy Spirit have nothing to do with one another. But here's the question, why would Paul draw this out? Why would he say it this way? Because it, he, there's, there's no category for what he's talking about to bring up this language. Well, almost every commentator says what Paul is doing here is he's drawing on a moment earlier in the church in Acts chapter 2. That what happens is uh, Jesus has ascended to the Father, and they're wondering, like, what's going to happen? Is this over? Has God left us? And it says on the day of Pentecost that the Holy Spirit came down like tongues of fire and sat on people. And what happened was they began to communicate the gospel in people's native tongue. That is, all of these ordinary people just begin to freely talk about Jesus. They begin to boldly go out and share their faith. They talked openly without fear, without worry, without any concern of any kind. And all of the people watching this freedom, this boldness, this uninhibited conversation, they just said, there's only one explanation for this. These people have to be drunk. And you know what that means? That means being drunk and being filled with the Spirit is like one another and not like one another. Hold on. I know know some of you are like, what in the world? Here's how being drunk and being filled with the Spirit, here's how it's like one another. Look, when you're drunk, what happens to people is you lose fear. You lose anxiety. It's like a happiness. It's like a boldness and a feeling of like, I am loved, I am welcomed, I'm a part of this, and I'm just going to be loving, and I'm just going to be kind, and there's no fear about what you think about me, and there's no fear about what I say about this. There's honesty that's attained. And you know, that's exactly what the filling of the Holy Spirit ought to give to people. That a community that's filled with the Holy Spirit are people that feel the honesty to be able to share about what your life is actually like, to feel a boldness, to talk about the claims of Christianity and not be concerned that this will cost me my social status, not be concerned that you'll think less of me as a person. The filling of the Holy Spirit ought to make you walk into a room and feel like everybody loves me. Everybody wants me here. There's no pretension. We're all just one group of people. And you know what that means? If you're somebody who has gone out and just gotten hammered in the last month, 
I'm not joking. Do you know that you're after the filling of the Holy Spirit? Deep down, that that's what you're craving. It's actually really like one another, but it's also not like one another at all. Because, you know, when Paul talks about the being filled with the Holy Spirit, what he says is one of the marks that we'll look at is it says it makes you thankful. It makes you thankful for everything. And almost everybody who's ever been drunk has the feeling on the other end of regret. And the reason that those two things are are so different is because in order to be filled with the Holy Spirit, you do not suppress reality like you do when you're drunk and pretend like nothing is real. You actually grab a hold of reality. Look at the text when Paul says this. He says, look carefully how you walk. Uh, Make the use of time. Understand what the Lord's is. I mean, how are all of those done? It's not by, like the filling of the Holy Spirit, it's not by closing your eyes, uh, pretending nothing in the world is real, uh, hoping something happens. It's, it's by getting out your mind. It's by thinking. It's by grabbing on information. It's by being rational. It's by understanding what God has said in a profound way. It, it is by grabbing a hold of reality, not suppressing it. Let me, let me give you an example of this. Uh, there's a place that we looked at a couple months ago in the Sermon on the Mount when Jesus says, do not be anxious. Now, in our culture, how do you uh, avoid fear and, uh, and live a life free of anxiety? Well, one option that a lot of people do is they pick up a bottle. But another option that Jesus is trying to talk to us about that Paul is actually going to really emphasize here is by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Now, how do you get filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, Jesus does not say, do not be anxious, close your eyes and just block out everything. No, he says, think. He says, look at the birds of the air. Look, at, look, at, look out at the world. See how the, the birds are not going, God, we hope that you're good and you'll provide. He says, they know he will. They neither toil nor spin, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. What Jesus says is, if you want to think about anxiety and fear the right way, think. Get out your mind. Look at concrete reality. And the filling of the Holy Spirit works the same way. That if you want God's presence in your life, and to do these remarkable things, to set you free, to be honest, to be bold, to be the kind of person who walks in a room and is filled with love. What he says is, you've got to think more on one of the the promises of God rather than one of the idols in your life. You know, when you walk in a room and you feel anxious, like, do these people want me here? Am I welcomed here? One of the problems in your life is you're not thinking enough. You know what you're doing? You're walking in and you're immediately giving in to idols. The idol says, nobody wants you. You don't have the resume to be here. You don't do enough to belong. And and if you immediately give in to that, what you will do is you'll be tempted to pick up a bottle. But... If you'll open yourself to the filling of the Spirit, what you'll do is is you will actually begin to think and meditate and say, no, 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 no. That's just sinful insecurities that I'm living in. That voice doesn't say who I am. That does not determine who I am. 
God has said who I am. God has renewed his church. God has made people loving, humble, forgiving, pursuing, welcoming. There's even things I can point to. Look, the filling of the Holy Spirit, what it is, is it's letting the gospel control your life in the same way that some people let alcohol control their life. And it doesn't just fill your cup, it begins to fill you. That's what it is. That's the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, secondly, let's understand that. What does that actually look like? How do we know a community that's been filled with the Holy Spirit? Well, I think what I'd be concerned for people to know and think about is that it's not just unexplainable emotions. It's not as though something that's abstract and you can't really tangibly point to. Paul actually tells us here that there's a framework for a community that is actually filled with the Holy Spirit. And it's in verses 19 to 21. And it just is, uh, we'll just outline it this way. A community that's filled with the Holy Spirit will have markers that are up, down, in, and across. Up. He says this in verse 19, singing and making melody to the Lord with our heart. That is a community that's filled with the Holy Spirit are people that, will, that believe that God is so beautiful, that He is the center of their life, that He is the most praiseworthy thing in their life, that you almost don't know what to do but to sing. Now, stop here with me for five seconds. Admit, admit that singing is weird, right? Like, do you have anywhere else in your life where you get together with people and sing? I, I don't know of another avenue of life where people regularly get to do that. And I think that that's pretty okay to admit. But the reason we do this is because we're saying there's some things that are so true and real about God that talking about it isn't even enough. That there's a, that there's a part of me that just wants to get it out. Amanda Seyfried, who's, a, who's an actor, uh, was interviewed one time about a musical she was in. And she said this, she said, singing is a way of releasing a reality that sometimes you can't portray when you're acting. And music moves your soul, so music is the source of the most intense things of our life. Now, I'm, I'm not musically gifted at all. But there's parts of me that even though I'm, I'm terrible at it, it's like all I want to do sometimes is be in the presence of people singing because there are times that I discover and think on the beauty of Christ and who He has been to me and who He will be to me one day that even though I have no ability to do it, if I could put a tune to it, I would. And what the filling of the Holy Spirit does are, are people sometimes that our delight in the Lord is in such a way and it's so overwhelming that all we know how to do is put a song to it. And the filling, the filling of the Holy Spirit happens when people's, the, the song of their life is not on their work, it's not on their self-love, it's not even on their children, it's on their Savior. It, you know, the mark is up, but it's, there's a mark that's also down. At the filling of the Holy Spirit, you know there's a community 
when people are down, look in verse 21, he says, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So what the presence of the Holy Spirit and the filling of the Holy Spirit will do is it will make people humble. Not just humble personally, but humble relationally. That is, you begin to let people into your life, to have a voice in your life. In John 16, um, when Jesus is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit, he says one of the things the Holy Spirit will do is he will come and convict the world of sin. That is, he will come into our life, he will come into a body of people, and he will be a mirror to people. He will be a, a reality to who you are as a person. And when you are in a community of people and the Holy Spirit is active, what's happening is that people around you can begin to speak authoritatively to who you are. Now, sometimes we hear that and think, this is where I hear religions, communities talk, and I know they're manipulative. Because if the Bible says, ha-ha, you have to listen to me, you have to submit to me or else you're not godly, that's just a way religious communities have uh, manipulated and controlled people. But you know what? Like, uh, life just disagrees with that. Um, there's a story about uh, Freddie Mercury, you know, who was the lead singer of Queen, that uh, he actually left the band and tried to go solo for a couple years. And he ended up coming back to the band uh, afterwards. And, and the reason in his interview he says he wanted to come back is he said when he was solo, he hated it because he got no pushback. He came back to his band and he said, I miss the pushbacks. He said, I miss the rewrites. I missed your corrections. He said, when I went solo, everybody just told me what I wanted to hear. Now, when you're in a community with the presence and the filling of the Holy Spirit, what will happen is you will have people that will say that, that will want that, that you, you will want to be a part of this because you'll say, you know what? I don't want to live around people who just tell me what I want to hear. I want the corrections. I want the honesty. I want the pushbacks. I want the telling about who I am as a person. And one of the ways that you know that you're being filled with the Holy Spirit and you're in a community of people that's filled with the Holy Spirit is when people can talk to you about you and you can talk to them about them. It's up, it's down, it's in. He says this in verse 20, giving thanks always. I had a professor one time who was teaching on this passage in his New Testament class, and I'll never forget this. He said, men, do you know what the filling of the Holy Spirit is? And we kept waiting for this climactic reveal, and he said, it means people that are thankful. You're like, that's it? He said, people that are thankful in everything. Only one person can do that, and it's somebody who's filled with the Holy Spirit. Because in the flesh, there are lots of people around us who are thankful, who are grateful, who enjoy life. But you know what? It's always tied to the circumstances, that we're thankful because of our circumstances. But the filling of the Holy Spirit allows you to be thankful in spite of your circumstances. It allows you to be thankful not just in the highs, but in the valleys. So that being filled with the Holy Spirit, you know what it is? It's just like a star, 
the darker the night, the brighter you get. You know, here's a perfect example of this. Um, those of you who are newer to this church will not know a man named Philip Height, but he used to be a minister here. And I, I, I had a phone call with him about a year and a half ago that I'll never forget, where it ended up being about a month before he died. And I, I, he didn't even tell me the degree to which cancer was destroying his body. And I'll never forget throughout the phone call, all he did was tell me how thankful he was. How thankful he was for his children. How thankful he was to know Jesus. How thankful he was for everything that he had been given to the point that you hear him talk about. I remember hearing him talk about this and you think, this person is anti-human. That it's only possible to be like that if you're filled with the Spirit. It's up, it's down, it's in, but it's also across because it says addressing one another in psalms or hymns. This word for addressing is a word that's very similar uh, to the Hebrew word that we get for encouragement. And what it literally means is to strengthen the grip on people. That is, when, when there are people around you, when the reality of who God is is something, that you become a reality to God when God no longer seems real to you. And singing is actually one of the best tools for this. I have a friend who um, is a musician in Nashville, and whenever he leads music, he always introduces it this way. He says, let's begin to confess the truth to one another. And I love that because what, what he is saying is that some of us come into rooms where truth is sung and we don't have the present experience or the emotions or the belief to be able to sing it. And you know, when you're a part of a, of a community of people that's filled with the Holy Spirit, here's, here's what's so great, is when people can sing to you when you don't have the belief to sing. And what that means is, is if we're going to be filled with the Holy Spirit, we have to have a full diet of the kind of songs that allow for the full Christian experience. If you, if you read the Psalter, the Psalter is a fantastic guide for this because what the Psalms give us are all the range of Christian emotions. There's, there's Psalm 150 that is just, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Let us praise Him with tambourine, let us praise Him with a dance. But then there's like things like Psalm 88 that in the psalm, it just basically says, Lord, you have abandoned me, no one loves me, everything is dark, and it probably is my only friend. And you know, if, if we don't have a song diet in our churches that reflect that kind of spectrum, to be able to sing things that both say, there is no one like you, and I'm not sure how to keep believing, then it's hard to be in a community that is addressing one another with the truth that's reflective of the scripture of truth. I'll never forget this. When I began to hear and read uh, Anne Steele hymns, she was a woman who was a great hymn writer in the 19th century who wrote just some of the most honest lyrics I've ever heard. They don't write things like this today. She's got a hymn where she called, Dear Refuge of My Weary Soul. And here's one of the lyrics. It says, On thee when sorrows rise, 
On thee, when waves of trouble roll, my fainting hope relies. My, my fainting hope. To thee I tell each rising grief, for thou alone can heal. Thy word can bring a sweet relief for every pain I feel. Look, there are people in a community that sometimes they need the fullness of you to tell them there is no one like this God. And other times they need you to sing to them, it's okay you don't believe today, I believe for you. The marks of the fullness of the Holy Spirit are not just unexplainable emotions. It's a community of people. It's people that are marked up, down, in, and across by these things that are actually really tangible. They're really seeable. It's not like being drunk. It's about grabbing hold of and being part of the deep realities and truths that God has given us in Scripture. That's what the filling of the Holy Spirit is. That's what it looks like. But right now... Let's get it, because there's two types of people that I would imagine here. There's some of you that are hearing me say this and say, I've never had that, and I want that. And then there's some of you who say, I believe that, but I don't experience that, and I kind of want that. The filling of the Holy Spirit, do you know how you get this? Because you're going to have it right now. Here's, Here's how this text goes. In verse 18, Paul says, be is a command. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he gives us modifiers. You remember that in, in English class? Um, things that modify the main frames of the sentence. The modifiers are things that we just went off. Addressing one another in Psalms and Him. Giving thanks for everything. This is what it looks like to be filled. Now, how do you get that? He ties it all together in this one phrase at the end of verse 20. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And when he says, in the name of, this is an incredibly profound statement. Because a name in the ancient Near East is not just like a birth certificate description. A name was a story. A name was a description of everything somebody was about. And Paul says, here's how you get the filling of the Holy Spirit. It is the story of Jesus. And what happens is the Spirit will be filled in you and amongst you when the story of Jesus is the most loud, reminded thing. There's a place in John 14, 26, when Jesus is talking about the coming of the Holy Spirit, and he says, when the Holy Spirit comes, here's what he will do. He will remind you of everything that I have said and everything that I am, which means the, one of the main jobs of the Holy Spirit is just to remind you of the story of Jesus. You, you, you know when the Holy Spirit is present in your life and present around you, when the story of who Jesus is and who he is to us is clearer than it was before. And, and what's the story of Jesus? Here, here's the story of Jesus. No matter if you are on the highest peak of spirituality or you are still hungover from last night, the Father's arms are wide open for you. 
And he picks up his garments and runs after you and says, I want you. And I have done everything to make you mine. And you are my child. And there is nothing that will undo that. And, and, and you, you know what's the one thing that will keep you from that? It's, it's not your fleshly sins. It's your religion of works. Okay, there's a place where Jesus drops this phrase in Matthew 12 about the blasphemy of the Holy Spirit. You know what that is? The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is just the refusal of God's love. The blasphemy of the Holy Spirit, the emptiness of the Holy Spirit is just, I don't need to be saved or I don't think I can be saved. It's the idea that I've got to be it all. I've got to depend on myself. I've got to pull up my spiritual bootstraps and I've got to be together. And I've got to present myself. Which it so explains why some people want to be here and don't want to be here. Some people don't want to be involved in your church, not because they don't think Jesus is gracious. It's because they think their lives have not been lived in a way that allows them to be able to come in a room like this. They think, I've got to clean myself up before I come in here. But the story of Jesus is that I will come to you as you are, and I don't care if you've never once thought about me, I'll give you a cup of living water. And when that begins to get home to you, that's when you begin to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Um, I've got a friend who did college ministry in Mississippi for a long time. He's still a minister there. Who uh, told me a story one time about a girl who was on his leadership team. And he said she was just the all-star you know, high school Christian girl. Uh, great church, great family, uh, led Bible studies, uh, sang in the worship team, t- brought tons of people to the Wednesday night meetings, uh, got engaged to one of the best boys in the ministry, everybody celebrated. And then she came to him one day and she said, I'm pregnant. And she said it was like her whole world crumbled. And she said, actually what happened to her in that moment is the most profound thing that she'd ever experienced. And so she wrote him a letter and here's what she said. She said, I was on the bathroom floor of my fiance's college apartment with a positive pregnancy test in my hand. We had been engaged for eight weeks, and on my best guess, we were about eight weeks along. It was at that moment that everything I thought I knew had suddenly changed. I found that my greatest crisis was within. I realized that I no longer knew who I was. Up until that point, I was always known as the good girl. And frankly, in my mind, I was one of the best girls. I grew up in a long line of gold stars next to my name, but those stars weren't for achievement or classes or sports. They were gold stars for Jesus. I truly thought I was strong enough and spiritual enough to avoid these types of mistakes. But I discovered over the next few days was grace. Real grace. The kind that gives you the strength to roll out of bed when you can't even stand the sight of yourself in the mirror. 
The grace is only found when you finally see the depth of your own sin. You see, I'd been a believer almost my whole life. I rarely missed a Sunday. I felt many heartfelt moments of spiritual renewal and awaking. I never felt the unabashed, unending depths of love of Jesus for me, though, like I did in that moment. It was always there, but I had never seen it because God had to first reveal my deepest, darkest, hidden sin to the entire world before I was able to see it for myself. Suddenly, I felt for the first time that because of Jesus, I had no less favor in God's eyes than I was un- when I was unmarried pregnant than when I had been teaching Bible study or leading worship as a good girl. I was finally set free. I'd lost my image as a good girl, but been set free to finally become a woman of grace who finds her value and significance in the cross of Jesus and not in the eyes of the world. And do you know what the job of the Holy Spirit is? It's to drive you like a nail into that story until you're full. Amen. Let me pray. Father, we do not want a community of people that's full of religion, that's full of fake faces. Lord, we want a body of people that is full of the story of Jesus. And it, it is living out in this fresh community that's actually even better than being drunk. Would you do that by the power of your gospel? Only in that, in Jesus' name, amen. If you enjoyed this message, we invite you to subscribe to the RSS podcast feed. This will let you know when a new message has been posted. You can also look for us on YouTube, Facebook, or Instagram at Journey South Bay. Until next time, God bless.